The president said the quiet part loud again, this time promising to hold funding from the Postal Service so they can't handle mail-in ballots. The creators of Avatar The Last Airbender said they're no longer working on Netflix's live-action adaptation. And co-host of the hit podcast Teenager Therapy, Gael Ader, is with us today to talk about how he and his friends are helping their fellow youths learn how to handle their emotions. The date, August 13th, 2020. The time, News O'Clock. Hey everyone, I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to BuzzFeed's News O'Clock. I want to flag something really quick before we dive into today's stories, Casey. Yes. I saw that there's a GoFundMe for a restaurant that was destroyed in Beirut in the blast, right? And someone who's connected to it posted on Twitter, we got a really generous like donation from our Russell Crowe. I'm not sure if it's the Russell Crowe, but thanks to whoever you are. Then the Russell Crowe responded, yeah, it was me. I felt like I should because it's what Anthony Bourdain would have wanted us to do. Oh, that's such a lovely tribute to him. And yes, that probably is what he wanted people to do. Exactly. uh, I know. That's great. Oh, I love that. Right. Shout out to Russell Crowe. I still haven't forgiven you for your performance in Les Mis, but this comes (laughs) close. Okay. Time for today's top stories. Here's what you need to know. President Trump said that the Postal Service doesn't have the money to conduct universal mail-in voting during this year's election because he won't approve the money. The president has a habit of saying the quiet part loud, but this was a new level. Yesterday, during his daily coronavirus press briefing, Trump explained exactly why universal mail-in voting would be impossible this election. Hint, it's because of him. They don't have the money to do the universal mail-in voting. So therefore, they can't do it, I guess, right? Are they going to do it even though they don't have the money? They're asking for the $3.5 billion. They're asking for $25 billion for the post office so they can do this, I guess, and other things. At 25 I would hope it would be a lot of other things, too. But therefore, they don't have it. They don't have the money to do the universal mail-in Votes. It'll be the greatest rigged election in history. It'll be the greatest fraud ever perpetrated. So that was the president saying that the post office can't possibly coordinate universal voting by mail in a pandemic specifically because he's blocking the money. And in case you thought that was a slip of the tongue, he said it again this morning on Fox Business. They want three and a half billion dollars for something that'll turn out to be fraudulent. That's election money, basically. They want three and a half trillion billion dollars for the mail-in votes. Okay, universal mail-in ballots. Three and a half trillion. They want $25 billion, billion, for the post office. Now, they need that money in order to have the post office work so it can take all of these millions and millions of ballots. Now, in the meantime, they aren't getting there. By the way, those are just two items. But if they don't get those two items, that means you can't have universal mail-in voting because they're not equipped to have it. The president has been falsely saying for weeks that voting by mail is dangerous and rife with fraud, despite no evidence that this is the case. Plus, not to mention, several states only vote via the mail. Meanwhile, he told his own supporters in North Carolina on Tuesday night, quote, you can request absentee ballots right now. Absentee ballots are great, end quote. Election experts, though, say that absentee ballots and voting by mail are the exact same thing. And in a preview of what's probably coming for all of us, a heat wave in the Middle East has sent temperatures soaring to 125 degrees Fahrenheit. 
That was the high in Baghdad on July 28th, breaking the previous all-time record by two degrees. In an honestly pretty scary dispatch, reporters with the Washington Post described a city where everyone stays inside if they can. Door handles are hot enough that they leave blisters when touched, and the power grid is straining to provide electricity for the lucky people with air conditioning. It's a possible vision for the future for a lot of the world if climate change isn't brought under control. According to one climate scientist the Post spoke with, regions as spread out as parts of the Persian Gulf and South Asia could eventually exceed 130 degrees Fahrenheit in the summer. And if you think the U.S. is going to be spared, well, bad news for you, particularly if you're in the Southwest. A recent study from a team of scientists in Switzerland found that 77% of major cities in the world are likely going to be experiencing a climate more like a city in a different bioclimatic zone than they currently are in by 2050. So if you're in a temperate climate, it'll probably be more subtropical by then. And for Phoenix, Arizona, which is already dry and hot as hell, the scientists predicted it'll be more like the punishing heat of Baghdad in 30 years' time. Woof! Yup! So... You know, I'm scared of space, but I'm real scared of climate change. Yeah, as you should be, as we should all be. I mean, here's here's something terrifying that I learned recently. Great. It's already happening. It's already happening in New York. Great. New York is now a subtropical zone. <sighs> it is no longer just a temperate zone. It is subtropical. That's why we barely get any snow in the winters now. And it's pretty dang scary. Yeah, it's scary. And, you know, if we're looking at the year 2050, it's like, yeah, that's only 30 years away. We're, you know, uh, 30. We'll still be here in theory. Question mark? Question mark. <laughs> in theory, question mark. Yeah. You know what, though? It actually was wild yesterday when I was listening to Biden and Kamala uh, speak. And when she was talking about how fighting climate change, and I'm like, wow, I haven't heard that in four years from <laughs> somewhat, somewhat presidential. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, Casey, what do you got today? Well, movie theater Megachain AMC has a gimmick for its theaters reopening later this month. They're offering movie tickets for less than a quarter. AMC will be opening 100 of its theaters on August 20th and will try to draw viewers to seats with tickets on sale for just 15 cents. The company says that the price is meant to reflect the cost of a ticket when the chain's first theater opened back in 1920 as a throwback. Movie theaters around the country have been closed down because of the pandemic, with some opening at reduced capacity as state governments have given them the green light, and the shutdowns have put a major hurt on their finances. In recent earnings calls, Cinemark announced it lost $170 million during the second quarter. AMC says it lost even more, $561 million. That's over half a billion dollars. But It'll be hard to recover those losses with the safety of indoor theaters still under question and more people willing to pay for new releases at home during the lockdown. And companies like Disney are experimenting with skipping theaters entirely. The live-action Mulan will be available to Disney Plus subscribers for $30 without ever being on the big screen. Yeah, I don't know. I Even if theaters were open in New York, I mean, 15 cents for a movie sounds pretty great, but also going to the movie sounds like a horror show. Yeah, 100%. I, you know, when I was growing up, was excited about those, like, one-cent Baskin-Robbins scoop days yeah, right. or whatever they were. Those were amazing. This this is not amazing. I don't want to <laughs> be in an enclosed space with anyone. <laughs> no, I mean, even if they're enforcing masking, and even if it's only, like, half full, a half full movie theater, that's still a lot of people. And if they're, like, trying to pack the seats, like, okay, everyone, come in, come in. If you're, like, the kind of person who's like... 
15 cent movie that'll get me out of the house then i don't know if i want to be seated with you right now you you know but that is something like concerning that we're talking about we just talked about climate change uh how temperatures are getting hotter and it's like we are we are like california's gonna be in a heat wave this weekend and a lot of people who don't have central air who don't have air conditioning go to movie theaters during the summer so for 15 cents to get air conditioning and to be entertained it's like i see why that is like enchanting you know but it's like this is life or death (laughs) oh geez oh okay moving on bad news for fans of avatar the last airbender the show's creators announced that they're leaving a new live action adaptation in the works at netflix when avatar first aired in 2005 the three season cartoon got nothing but praise but then an m night Shyamalan live action movie was universally panned for its whitewash casting and terrible effects so when creators Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konitzko announced in 2018 that they were going to be heavily involved in creating the new adaptation on Netflix, people were cautiously optimistic. Now, though, the duo says they're walking away. In a post on his blog, DiMartino said that they actually left the project in June, calling it one of the hardest decisions of his life. And on Instagram, Konitzko said that it wasn't just about creative changes from Netflix. Quote, as long as we felt those ideas were in line with the spirit and integrity of Avatar. But eventually, he said, the two felt they, quote, came to the belief that we would not be able to meaningfully guide the direction of the series. The series will still be moving forward with some of the people they hired in charge, so there may be some hope for fans yet. Emphasis on some. As a fan, I am skeptical to the max right now. I have I had some hopes and now they are dashed. Dashed upon the rocks like an earthbender has just thrown one at my head. <laughs> I do not get that reference, but I support you. <laughs> <laughs> Casey, you gotta watch it. I'm sorry. I know, I, I do, I do. I have I have a bunch of coworkers who love the series, and definitely I saw them posting about this news because it's gonna impact fans of the show. You trust creators of a show. You know, you just do. Right. They just handled the first one so well. Mm. They made sure not to make it too like leaning into Asian tropes that we're used to. Mm-hmm. They made it really heartfelt, full of emotion, really good pacing. And the fact that they weren't involved with the M. Night Shyamalan tragedy, as a lot of people see that as why it tanked. And so for them to say, yeah, actually, we're leaving this one, too. Uh, mm, I don't think so. I don't I I don't think this one's it, guys. Oh. All right, when we come back, we've got Gael Ader of the podcast Teenager Therapy. Stay right there. At SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. I'm Jake Halpern, host of Deep Cover. Our new season is about a lawyer who helped the mob run Chicago. We controlled the courts. We controlled absolutely everything. He bribed judges and even helped a hitman walk free until one day when he started talking with the FBI and promised that he could take the mob down. I've spent the past year trying to figure out why he flipped and what he was really after. From my perspective, Bob was too good to be true. There's got to be something wrong with this. I wouldn't trust that guy. He looks like a little scumbag liar, stool pigeon. He looked like what he was, a rat. 
I can say with all certainty, I think he's a hero because he didn't have to do what he did, and he did it anyway. The moment I put the wire on the first time, my life was over. If it ever got out, they would kill me in a heartbeat. Listen to Deep Cover on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Gangster Chronicles podcast is a weekly conversation that revolves around the underworld. From criminals and entertainers to victims of crime and law enforcement, we cover all facets of the game. Gangster Chronicles podcast doesn't glorify or promote illicit activities. We just discuss the ramifications and repercussions of these activities. Because after all, if you play gangster games, you are ultimately rewarded with gangster prizes. Our Heart Radio is number one for podcasts, but don't take our word for it. Find the Gangster Chronicles podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Do you remember what it was like to be a teenager, all full of sullen angst and feelings that could only be expressed through song lyrics? Well, today's teens are more in touch with those emotions than ever, even as they're living through one of the most isolating times in history. And they have something Casey and I didn't. Podcasts. We're joined today by Gael Ader, one of the hosts of the wildly successful podcast, Teenager Therapy. Good afternoon, Gael. Hi, how are you guys? Great. So you've been doing this podcast since 2018 with four of your friends. What made you guys think, you know what, we need to put this out there on the internet? Well, I was really inspired by Casey and Candace Neistat's podcast, Couples Therapy, hence our own name. Um, I really admired how raw and vulnerable they were in it. They were very authentic with their problems and they just were not scared to really share what was going on in their life and in their marriage. And I think listening to that really just made me realize I would love if there was a place where teenagers could have something similar to this. And that's kind of why I decided to start it. So it takes a lot of vulnerability to be willing to share all these sorts of thoughts and feelings so publicly. What's been the most rewarding part about that for you? I think the messages we get afterwards, the DMs and all the all of our followers sending us a message about their experience or how they were able to relate or how we were able to help them is so heartwarming because sometimes you start to forget. I start to freak out and think, oh, I should delete everything. Well, there's so much about me out there. And then I get a message and it's a listener telling me the latest episode really, really helped me when you opened up about that issue you were having because I was having the same issue and I thought I was the only one. And hearing you talk about it was so helpful. And just, I just want to thank you for that. And like those kind of messages is what really makes me see the importance of this. I'm really curious, do people at your high school listen to it and, you know, mention like, hey, I listened to this week's episode? Uh, well, they do listen to it, but I think I think they're kind of scared to say they listen to it or at least talk to me about it, probably because it's so personal and it's maybe they think it's kind of weird that they know so much about me. But yeah, there's definitely been like a couple of friends that were like, yeah, I've been listening to like all the episodes and I get kind of surprised because they know uh, they know a lot about me. <laughs> <laughs> So do you all ever consult with professionals when preparing your show, like actual therapists, or is it more important that you share what you're all going through without that lens? I think at the beginning, it was a lot more important to just share what we go through without necessarily having statistics or anything like that. Any professionals and adults weighing in on the right way to handle something, because something we really emphasize is we don't want to give advice because I think that could be very dangerous. So we try to just give advice to each other. And, you know, just talk about how we dealt with it. And then hopefully our audience takes that, processes it, and then applies it to their own life. But I think as our platform grows, we do have a responsibility to also consult with professionals on more serious topics, which is definitely something we plan on doing. 
Speaking of your audience growing, your podcast was recently featured in the New York Times. What was that like? And has it upped your audience or anything like that? Yeah, that was a crazy moment. Definitely. When Taylor reached out and asked if, you know, she would it would be okay with getting featured in the New York Times. We're obviously like, yes, of course, we're not going to say no to that. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it was it was a crazy day. I remember when the article dropped, it was like I, I felt I was so shocked by by it because it was a goal we've had on like being in a major publication like that. And we didn't expect to hit it for a while. And the fact that it was there and there were all these people congratulating us and everybody was just sending us DMs and companies. And it was just so such a surreal moment. Definitely. So one of the episodes you have featured as a favorite episode on your website is about internalized homophobia, LGBT stereotypes and labels. What kind of a response did you get from other teenagers, especially from outside of California? Yeah, that episode is actually, I think, one of our best because it's it's definitely a conversation that a lot of teenagers weren't having but wanted to have. Because after that episode, we got and we we still continue to get messages from that episode that there's a lot of people that are dealing with internalized homophobia of you know, the fear of not wanting to be queer or anything like that because they're, they're scared, you know, it's going to make life harder. And that episode, I think, really resonated with our audience. And I think they really took something from that. So school is starting up again soon. How are you handling the stress of that with the pandemic still going on? Well, it's definitely difficult. We actually had our first day of school yesterday. Oh, wow. And yeah, it was actually kind of a mess because technology wasn't working for everyone. Like the websites were like shut down and all that so it's i think from the first two days of it it just seems very messy it's hard to know where your assignments are or what is due and i think this year is definitely going to take some getting used to and it's probably going to be a little stressful for the first few months do you guys have any plans for episodes in the near future about talking about like the stresses of going back to school because i mean i'm sure a lot of your listeners are having to go back in person dealing with all of that as well yeah i think for a while we've avoided talking about the pandemic we did an episode when this whole thing like was first starting out but then Mm -hmm. we were getting kind of burnt out and we didn't want to burn out our listeners by constantly talking about it Mm, but we're definitely yeah (laughs) no it's it's serious but like now we really want to once school starts we're definitely going to do an episode on how how it's working and what what we think of it so what would you say you've learned the most about yourself since starting this show I think that there are a lot of people going through the same problems. I think sometimes I used to think, you know, even myself, I used to think, wow, I think I'm the only one going through this. But even my listeners teach me a lot when they when they message us. They message me with advice sometimes. And I think that's like the best thing ever when they're able to like, they try to help me with our my problems. And like, hey, Gael, I, I heard you were talking about this. Here's something I recommend. And I just think that's like the best thing. So I've learned a lot. I think specifically, I've really just learned the importance of vulnerability and how important it is and the bond it creates, which is like something I'm very passionate about. And I really think we should all try to be a little more vulnerable. Like we said, you guys have been doing this show since 2018. You started when you were 15. You're 17 now. Do you guys have any plans for what happens when you guys actually hit adulthood? Are you still going to be doing teenage therapy <laughs> moving forward? Well, that yeah, that's a question we get a lot. Um, 
we're definitely going to continue this until we're at least like 19 and all of us are officially 20 and no longer teenagers. <laughs> so long so as there's one of you that's a teenager. It yeah. Still <laughs> yeah. As long as there's still one, we're still going. But then after that, I think our plan that we've had is to just pass it down like to the next generation oh. of teenagers, the new generation of freshmen. I think it'd be such a cool experience if it just keeps getting passed down to new generations. Wow, that actually that. makes me really emotional to think about. <laughs> <laughs> That's really sweet. Yeah. Well, this podcast yeah. is definitely something I would have wanted when I was a teenager. So congratulations. And Gael, today has been great. Where can listeners go to find your show? Yeah, you could listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, if you even want to watch us. Anywhere that you listen to podcasts, really. Gael, thank you so much for joining us and good luck with everything, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Guys, everything has been a lot. And so we wanted to hit time out on all of that in a new segment we're calling No Bad News. Hayes and I each have to bring to the table a story that we saw lately that honestly just made us smile. No tricks, no hooks, no, but actually just (laughs) straight good news from us to your ears. Casey, do you want to go first? Yes, I do. Okay, so one of the purest people on this planet is Tony Hawk, and he's releasing an updated version of the game Tony Hawk Pro Skater soon. But on Instagram yesterday, he announced a change to a trick where you grab the front of the skateboard wall in midair. It used to be called the mute air, but over the years, people had gotten in touch with the person who came up with it, a deaf skater named Chris Weddle. Hawk wrote, quote, I asked him last year as I was diving into trick origins, and he said he would have rather named it the deaf or Weddle grab if given the choice. His exact quote to me was, I am deaf, not mute. So as we embark on the upcoming Pro Skater demo release, some of you might notice a trick name change, the Weddle Grab. It's going to be challenging to break the habit of saying the old name, but I think Chris deserves the recognition. I love that. I love that so much. Me too. I mean, that's bare minimum what we can do. It's like, okay, yes, breaking habits is hard, but hey, let's change it to something that is not that. (laughs) That's something that actually reflects the creator of it. I I never actually played Pro Skater when I was a kid, but I now wish I did slash am really looking forward to the new version that's coming out. You know what? In quarantine, I've become a video game person, so sign me me up. (laughs) Right? I I would say same, except we only have um, an Xbox One, and it takes a lot for me to get into a video game so Mm -hmm. i've just been obsessively playing assassin's creed odyssey (laughs) this entire time even though i played through it once already i've just been playing it so much no no but that makes sense because like right now watching tv shows that you've seen before are cathartic because you don't have anxiety because you know what's coming next so for you you've already played it you know what's coming (laughs) exactly okay hey so what's your story all right here's mine Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has been given only one minute to speak at the Democratic National Convention later this month. So she tweeted a poem that was read by late Representative Elijah Cummings in his first speech on the floor of the House called, I Have Only Just a Minute. Here's what it sounded like when he read it. I only have a minute, 60 seconds in it, forced upon me, I did not choose it, but I know that I must use it, give account if I abuse it, suffer if I lose it. Only a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. Well, in response to that tweet, a user with the handle mjacobs324 wrote, You've got this. Remember all those poems we recited together in second grade? It was prepped for this moment. You've got this. To which AOC responded, 
Miss Jacobs, is that you? Yes, I do remember the poem we recited in second grade. You prepared me perfectly for this moment. Thank you for teaching me, encouraging my growth, and believing in me as a child. I know when I saw that, I was so pure. I love them reconnecting. You know, when you, you have those elementary school teachers that were really just like formative in your life and you remember them and you remember those classes and it's just like so special that they got to reconnect. Yeah. So I actually moved around a lot as a kid. So I went to an absurd number of elementary schools. But even despite that, there are some that just really stand out to me. Like, wow, I haven't thought about her in a while. But Miss Davis in sixth grade, she was a great teacher. I only had her for uh, half of the year of a semester. Uh, but I remember her teaching us so much about like, she talks about Tenochtitlan and the Aztecs. And it was just a really great class. Like, dang. Okay. Mm, I love that. Well, if you've got good news that you want to flag for us, send it to news o'clock at buzzfeed.com. That's news o'clock, all one word, at buzzfeed.com. That's it for today. Join us tomorrow for when BuzzFeed's number one chief advice giver, Stephen Lacanti, is back for another edition of DM911. And remember, is a 15-cent ticket worth your life or someone else's? Uh... Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. Peacock streaming the biggest sporting events, exclusive originals, and the latest movies. This February, we've got Super Bowl 56, the 2022 Winter Olympics, and the Peacock original Bel Air. Plus the new movie, Marry Me, in theaters and streaming Valentine's Day. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. When's the last time you took a time out? I'm Eve Rodsky, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fair Play, and Find Your Unicorn Space. Activist on the gender division of labor, attorney, and family mediator. And I'm Dr. Aditi Narukar, a Harvard physician and medical correspondent with an expertise in the science of stress, resilience, mental health, and burnout. We're so excited to share our podcast, Time Out, a production of iHeart Podcasts and Hello Sunshine. We're peeling back the layers around why society makes it so easy to guard men's time like it's diamonds and treat women's time like it's infinite, like sand. And so whether you're partnered with or without children or in a career where you want more boundaries, this is a place for you, for people of all family structures. So take this time out with us to learn, get inspired, and most importantly, reclaim your time. Listen to Time Out, a Fair Play podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What grows in the forest? Our imagination and our family bonds. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.